and welcome to East Norfolk's very own politics podcast, In The Loop. I'm your host, Daisy, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Kira. Hi. And Amelia. Hello. We are also joined by Laura. Hello. Killian. Hello. Sam. Hiya. And Ewan. Hello. Considering the current big issue in global politics, this episode is going to focus purely on the crisis in Ukraine. Who do you think is going to win the Russian versus Ukrainian war? And how do you think it's going to end? That's a bit more than broad. That's... That's a statement not a question actually I don't think it's a question of who will win I think it's a question of what will happen afterwards yeah that's what I think as well it's pretty decided yeah. already at this point yeah but I did see on Sky News that every day that the war lasts longer it's getting better for Ukraine and worse for Russia yeah because yeah. Russia wanted a quick victory which uh, but now uh, because of all the sanctions and everything um and because of how long this conflict is uh, is lasting, it's, it's on day five or six now. I can't remember exactly. Five. Five. Um, it means that uh, this is going badly for Russia, and politically speaking, they're doing quite poorly. And to be fair, the sanctions, um, the Russian central bank, the interest rates have gone up from 9.5 to 20%, and the ruble has plummeted 40%. So... And then, obviously, you've got the thing of the oligarchs are then going to kick off because they're what mm. keep the crowd makes that one, aren't they? I am, well done. Um, the oligarchs are the ones that keep Putin in power, realistically. And if they lose enough money, they will go against Putin. I mean, I think the kind of global reaction was sort of unexpected from Russia. I don't think they expected the sort of banding together that Europe has done to impose these harsh sanctions on. Don't get me wrong, I think... Obviously, the man isn't stupid. He knew there'd be some sanctions, but I don't think I don't think many people expected the massive sanctions that have come on, like businesses uh, cutting their stocks, the the part their stocks that are based in Russia. You know, you've got um, ridiculous amount of countries closing their airspaces. This sort of stuff is stuff that often isn't expected because it's damaging the country it's from as well as Russia. So I believe that's because this war's fully in the European continent because every other time yes Crimea was bad but it, because of the area being mostly ethnically Russian it was kind of just accepted and the Russo-Georgian war technically you could also consider that as a part of Asia as well and we don't have many economic ties with Georgia so it's that a bit yeah that was the same with Albania as well there was again there was conflict with Nagorno-Karabakh most of it is ethnically Armenian but it's Azerbaijani land there was no media coverage to it at all and that was like aggression from both fronts for Armenia. It's really hard finding information about that as well, because I, I, I've looked at that like, it's really hard to. Because Azerbaijan and both Armenia had such intense like censorship and um, propaganda about it, like nobody knows, I don't, you know, most of the news people were getting was from fucking, fa- was from bloody Facebook. Can I say funny? Yeah, you're fine with that. Sorry, I didn't say that. Um, yeah, 36 countries have closed. Russia has closed um, its airspace to 36 countries, and it's pretty much the same the other way. But that's one of the ones watching that uh, fold out and just... So my mum's a travel agent, but she does business, as I preface most times, and watching every time a country go through, she'd be like, Moldova's shut their airspace, Ukraine's done theirs, um, and you just watch each country slowly shut off. It's, it's so strange, but it's also terrifying as you watch each country slowly shut their borders. I think that, I think that is actually really effective. Like, I was, I wasn't, I guess, yeah, I was surprised when, like, people, 
and like brush people on the streets openly defying I think that was quite a, a, a big thing like I think he um I know he like he changed it he reversed some sort of law about domestic abuse being punishable or something to women domestic violence against women and even then there wasn't you know uproar or anything it was just sort of this acceptance but I'm, I'm actually really like surprised and happy that people are going openly against him and protesting and it has had an impact I have a friend who's ethnically fully Russian but he was born in Lithuania and he was telling me that oh, I'm so glad I don't have a Russian passport because he would have been gone it's one of the like with obviously the younger generation in Russia who are the ones who are protesting the most they only know what's going on because of Instagram Twitter yeah. social medias and you look at the older generation and all of them are like they're not invading Kiev don't be silly because they're all because they don't have any outside um, yeah, well, I mean, knowledge. In, in, until yesterday, Russia was still trying to say that they'd had no casualties in Ukraine, yeah. which and that they were just in the Donbass, which they were pushing whilst newspapers uh, in America Domitz. had Domitz. corpses yeah. of dead soldiers on their front headlines. You know what I mean? I mean it's ridiculous yeah. the censorship trying to be pushed still. People are really dumb. Like Russian propaganda is actually so crap. Like <laughs> that same person as well. He like tried to convince me that Biden started the war. I was like, Are you thick? No, he didn't. I just looked at him and I was like. I, think I have to disagree with uh, that the Russian people are dumb. I think it's that it's been so long Not since Russian, they've had. No, no. Yeah, no. It's been so long that, since um, the Russians have had their own access press, to opinions, yeah. free press, anything, that it's just become Russian word is word, anything else is lies. Yeah, which makes them standing up in like Saint Pe- in St. Petersburg, in Moscow, even more amazing. I mean, it's amazing standing up to a government in any way, but to do it in those sort of conditions where yeah. you know where there's such unsurety of what your punishment will be when you get arrested. And I mean, over 2,000 protesters were arrested. I think it's really brave of people to be showing solidarity in a nation that's experiencing some horrific things. I don't blame them. They consider themselves brothers, or they did until the war started. And yeah. people living on the, uh, on the Ukrainian border still didn't believe that the Russians would invade them when it was starting. Yeah. Because they're so, they're so tied closely together. They've got so even the censorship coming up for the like soldiers. Uh, so many of the soldiers went in not realizing what they were doing. The, you see, the, uh, quite a few of them uh, surrendered, and then they were taken in by Ukrainians. And you you watch, you, like, you see it, and you think that the, neither of these people want the war, mm. but they're each being kept on different sides. And they're just they're going in, they're realizing that what they're actually doing, and they're standing up for themselves. And it's uh, amazing because if they go back in it comes out that they've done that. I mean, it's not good for them. You know, what we want to reasons why Russia's performed so weakly in the war. I mean, the soldiers don't want to fight there, realistically. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> the Ukrainians have something to fight for, while the Russians don't really. They have less willpower to fight. I mean, it's re- it's, it must be really demoralising for, with the propaganda in Russia, you come from an army where you've been told that, you know, you are the greatest army in the world, you are undefeatable. If you march there, you will breeze through it in a single day, and then you get there and you're being fought by most of the you know, territorial troops who yesterday were people working random jobs. Um, like Russian national service, and so a lot of ex-Soviet Union countries still do national service and they'll like go in behalf of Russia. And um, a lot of it is like, don't even do like you know, practice with guns or anything. A lot of it is building houses, reconstructing towns and learning how to make fire or something like it's all my dad did it like five or six years or something which was longer than national service none of it was ever like actively in conflict 
I don't think this is Russia's war. I think it's simply just Putin's war. Oh, yeah. The Russian yeah. people didn't decide to go to war with Ukraine. No, I think people, anyone that blames like an, the average Russian people are idiotic. No, no common person ever willingly wants Apart to go to war. It's always the leaders directing them to it. Apart from Biden, start the war. Yeah, because <laughs> <I was laughs> yeah, people don't profit from wars. No. Wars have become like back in perhaps like the Middle Ages or something like that. Wars were kind of zero sum games. Uh, they would benefit you at the expense of someone else but now they just they are at the expense of both people yeah, well so I there's mean, no point going to war anymore the whole point of the sanctions that the EU and us and America have imposed on Russia is to try and get uh, the Russian oligarchs to kick off uh, Putin to uh, hopefully end the war but I mean it's not just those rich people that are going to be affected the Russian economy crashing is going to affect everyone in Russia so I mean I think people need to realise that as well it's quite strange how Russia have, like, while they're doing all this, they've also done a, a turn back. So the uh, Russian Foreign Minister, Sergei Lavrov, has cancelled his visit to the UN due to anti-Russian sanctions. So he's now saying <laughs> that we're innocent, stop putting stuff on us. Um, and it was the same with uh, Liz Trust, which is um, Jesus. basically she said that if you wanted to go fight in Ukraine, we're not going to stop you. Um, and the Kremlin have claimed that Putin placed Russian nuclear deterrence forces on high alert directly because of Liz Trust. Uh, the statement um, said, um, statements made by various representatives at various levels on possible altercations or even collisions and clashes between NATO and Russia. We believe that such statements are totally, are absolutely unacceptable. I would not call the authors of these statements by name, although it was the foreign, uh, uh, foreign British foreign minister. So they won't say her name directly, but they've said her exact job title. <laughs> it, is, it is a bold move. We've never let our own people and our own troops go and fight in a foreign war without our backing. And to allow people to go to a, um, an embassy and just safe passage over to fight in Ukraine, it's unprecedented. And it's a very bold move from Britain. But it is a bit scary that the uh, nuclear deterrence has been switched on. Like, I, I am extremely anti-nuclear. Uh, weapons like I absolutely despise them mm -hmm. with every fibre of my body, most and that's are, why it's mutual destruction if one yeah. goes off. Especially with exactly. it going up at the same time as Belarus have also said that they're going to start having uh, nuclear weapons again mm. in a um, vote that they're not. It, they say it's a referendum, but 800 people were arrested um, for um, protesting it going back on. And I mean, Belarus is basically a puppet state to Russia at this point. Yeah. Then the people in Belarus have gone through so much through that dictatorship over the last 25 years. Yeah. So for them to be standing up as well. Have you ever seen Alexander Lukashenko, who's the uh, dictator of Belarus? Have you seen that video of him where he's doing an interview and he and he says that he supports Putin because Putin promised him the job of colonel in the Russian army? No. The problem it's was so yeah. funny. It is, and and the, the the reporter that he's talking to just starts laughing really hard. <laughs> it's just. I think. Sorry, I think this is a good yeah. point to bring up. Um, Zelensky, is that how you pronounce it? I think he's really brave. Like the amount of situations where this has happened, and a leader or a president or prime minister has just run off, you know, gone to safe houses, been a little 
B-word before and it's gone off. I mean, for any person currently in Ukraine that's picking up arms, you know, you're seeing missiles going off in your home. You're seeing missiles hit innocent civilians, which has been happening especially today. And you still have the courage to pick up a gun and fight. I think whether you're a president or a, someone who was a teacher the other day, that is, it takes guts to do. But I mean, him fighting beside his own people is ridiculous. I think you'd yeah. be you'd be hard it's pressed really to see great. many other leaders of other countries to yeah. do a similar Boris thing. I really respected how when he was offered a ride out of Ukraine into the US, he just said, "I don't need a ride. I need ammunition." Yeah. There's a reason why his popularity went up to 97%. You've got to lead by yeah. example. Yes. You, you ca- 97%. Yeah. That is insanely high. He can't be high. expecting, you know, asking people to join this national defence when he is then going to yeah. go out of the country. Yeah, he's the biggest morale boost other than the uh, the ghost of Kiev. Yeah. <laughs> and another thing that's happened is that, you know, the, uh, this, 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 uh, a Russian... Uh, not Russian, sorry. Ukrainian fighter pilot who's the first ever ace since World War Two. He's down wow. six planes on the first day. Nice. Wasn't like just propaganda. Yeah. yeah, apparently it's propaganda. It's it's because it's unconfirmed. You can never say whether it is or not. But either way, it's a like, massive yeah. boost to you. Imagine being that person. You're actually badass. <laughs> he got shot down as well, but he survived apparently. Everyone thought he was dead for I six hours. He was getting hours. a German fighter jet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I think. Obviously, with Belarus as well, the peace talks that happened this morning, that was another one of the... It was quite a strange one to talk about it, uh, cause we, like, when it first came out of... That apparent... When it first, they started looking at the negotiations, Russia started saying that Ukraine was denying negotiations, and Ukraine went, yeah, you tried to host it in Belarus, which you're shooting us from? Like, we're not going to have... We're not going to have um, peace talks in a country that you're in cahoots with. And then obviously they've gone over today, and uh, I, I don't know if all of this stuff's been announced yet. Have you got? It what? hasn't. No, but they I mean, that's any of the peace. I'll talks. be honest. I don't know. I hope something comes off it, and obviously the war stops as everyone hopes, because war truly, I know it's like uh, it's sort of cringe to say, but yeah. war has no winners when you look at it. Yeah. But I really don't think much will come from it because Russia is not going to accept anything other than full control of Ukraine, and Ukraine, rightfully so, wants their sovereignty back. I believe Russia. I believe Russia will have to, if if the fight continues for another couple of days, Russia may have to accept um, some sort of peace deal where Donetsk and the hands of the uh, independent regions get yeah. some sort of independence. But the problem is with uh, going into Belarus. How how does Zelensky know that they're not just going to shoot him as soon as he crosses the border? I'm pretty sure that's why he didn't go. Yeah, that's why I'm he said pr- a delegation. They've sent 40 assassins into Kiev to try and kill him already. It was and 400, I'm fairly sure. Yeah, 400. 400. Yeah. 400. Um, also, just it's literally just come up a minute ago, the UK Home Secretary. We do, we do get to say something about Preet Patel for once. Um, she said that you, uh, waiving visa requirements would pose a security risk. Apparently, we're making it about us again. Security risk. People running home from war. (laughs) Apparently, how is that security risk? The people who could be considered a threat are already fighting in Ukraine. We're trying to take in. She she said um, because uh, some MPs are calling for visa waivers for Ukrainians. She says she will not agree to that. She said biometric checks are an essential part of the system. She says on the basis of security advice, they need to stay. Can I just say that biometric tracks, te- biometric uh, tests, or whatever it is, are unconstitutional and just an invasion of privacy, and I think that they should be banned. 
and it's ridiculous that they, that they aren't and that no one is saying anything about them. I mean, it's a comparison of compassion, isn't it? Poland's opened their borders. You don't need any documentation to go there. Can you can take pets. Hurt? You can take yeah. pets on no documentation, and they're, you know, struggling to take in as many refugees as they humanly can. And then you have yeah. the UK, who is we're only taking in, we're taking in direct, only well? direct relatives, it's which just is just embarrassing. embarrassing. Or if you apply for a work, so food, would we even let Zelensky in? <laughs> would we even let him in because he's that not way. directly related to anyone in the UK? Even Poland is actually usually quite anti-immigration. Oh yeah, heavily. They heavily. are really. They're usually a very right-wing anti-immigration uh, country. Like you can tell by their like anti-LGBT zones and things like that. They're just quite right-wing. But yeah, and, and uh, that as well. But the fact that they're doing it and we're not is a bit disappointing. Yeah. It's not like we don't have the space. We <laughs> yeah. definitely yeah. do. Yeah. Um, just really quickly, want to talk about NATO because there's two mm. separate oh. points. Um, Russia have demanded legal guarantees that Ukraine will never join NATO. And on top of that, they've also threatened Finland and Sweden with military consequences if they decide that they want to join because they value the the militaristic neutrality of them not being in NATO. Who gave them a veto? I don't remember giving them a veto. The Soviets tried to join, we wouldn't let them. We're not letting the Russians join for sure because it's an anti-Russian alliance as of right now. Mm. I mean, we study it a second year, like what makes a nation state and what gives it sovereignty. And one of the major points that gives a nation sovereignty is them joining the United Nations as their own individual country. And obviously, mm. Ukraine is part of the United Nations. Um, but part of that sovereignty means they get to make their own decisions. Russia trying to impose something on them, like they can't join NATO or stuff like that it's just taking away that point of giving them full sovereignty yeah and also if they like if there is this agreement again you just have this cycle it's repeating again and again and again Russia always has some sort of control Russia always, always has some sort of impact always has something to say or something to have in Ukraine and it just goes over and over and over again like it always has like this should be the point where now this is done yeah I mean usually I'm very anti-NATO like before I, I, I've said Shame this before but I'm usually quite anti-NATO but honestly, uh, I, like my my like my opinion on NATO is definitely changing as of recently. Because if it, if it wasn't for NATO, uh, Ukraine would be in a much worse state, or we, we or maybe we wouldn't have we wouldn't have been able to do as much, or maybe we would have, but it would have been harder. And if it wasn't for NATO, uh, Ukraine would be quite uh, in a much worse place as I said earlier, and. Uh, I know, maybe I'm wrong about NATO. I, I believe you are, because right, Russia doesn't fully recognise the Baltic states as their own sovereign countries because of their historical control over them. And with the Baltics being in NATO, that's the only reason why they are technically still nations today, because it's a, it's a defensive alliance. If they set one troop in there, it's a, de- it's a, de- it's a declaration on every nation. I'm having a stroke. Yeah, I mean, as much as people can try and claim it's caused a war this time or whatever, the whole point of NATO is to stop wars. And, I mean, if you look past this place, it does a pretty good job at it. Nations can't fight each other and don't want to fight each other if they're all happy in a treaty with each other, you know? It, I, the wars definitely, no matter what the outcome of this is, it has changed European law and politics forever. Um, the Finnish have now... Um, the population for joining NATO has now gone up to 53% in 2017 it was 19 Ooh. so yeah it's gone up pretty significantly um, yeah. and um, 
in January there was a private like not like a proper little look into who would do it and they said 30% so a jump of 23 in what, like a year two years is pretty significant and I, I genuinely yeah. do think that Finland when, will end up joining NATO by the end when, of this when Russia tells you not to do something it makes the people of that country <laughs> want to do it <laughs> I mean no one wants a dictator to tell, tell you to do something and then you don't do it because it just makes think they can tell you something else down the line you know yeah Putin's used to people actually listening to him. Do we take this threat seriously, though? If if Finland doesn't join NATO and Russia does declare war, should we have not accepted Finland into NATO? Should we let ourselves be pushed around by Russia? I, dis- I don't think any country should be pushed around by any country. That's why I think. They have their own sovereignty. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I think Putin is a very unpredictable leader. Usually, I like to make guesses at like what leaders of the world are going to do and what decisions they're going to make but I honestly couldn't call anything he's going to do he's, yeah. his movements seem so irrational and his decisions seem so irrational and it's, it's almost like he has like a box of suggestions that he picks one randomly out of you know <laughs> there's I'm, I'm not saying I like Peter but like resisting him I don't think there's any chance we're going to go to nuclear war it's a bit don't want to flatter his ego but he is a military man he's a strategist he's been doing this from, since probably been alive through like dinosaur time but like I don't think I don't think he'll come to that I, th- I think as much as I don't like him like he's a smart man he knows what he's doing he knows if he goes nuclear this is it and especially with them being so close mutually yeah. issue destruction it's it's not gonna yeah, work like, out what's the point of invading if you're gonna ruin it anyway that's why I trust um what could be counted as foreign powers with nuclear weapons because we all mutually understand that one nuke goes off you're all dead and so Putin starting the, the Ukraine war over Donetsk and Luhansk was, I, I don't want to say genius, but it was smart, because all of their false flag operations failed to do it, so he had to go for an alternative. And in his case, it's worked really well. I remember Crimea as well, that was a big win for... I Crimea was a big win for Russia. I genuinely think that was his intention all along. I think Putin's always had the intention to invade Ukraine, and I think... The only reason I mean, yeah, he showed Crimea. that in 2014. When yeah, he tried Crimea. To, essentially the same thing. Was because he didn't have the army for it, he didn't have the resources, and he had like no excuse. But now it's like the perfect, well, it was perfect time. It, I think if you pull um, comparisons between this and the start of World War Two, I think that is a good, like, yeah. is a significant reason why we're putting in the things in place now. Because realistically, if you look at it back at that t- times, if Russia's Germany, Ukraine is Austria. Yes. Yeah. And. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Am I right in my head? Yes, yeah, I am. Yeah, the first um, terms of aggression. And you, if you let him off Ukraine, because technically, I mean, Ukraine was at one point part of the Soviet Union, and they believe that they're brothers. If you let that go on, and then Putin starts going around to the other countries, we're going to end up with another world war. So and what we're saying is, Putin is a pity boy. Is a what? A pity boy. Oh, I thought you said something else, and I was like, was "That's good. definitely gonna have to get edited." I was going to say what you said as well. <laughs> what? What did you think I said? I probably shouldn't say it now, actually. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> that's just gonna cause more issues. Yeah, I've got no idea what she's saying. Um, a pity boy. Okay. He's for himself. That's cringe. <laughs> think, historically, Russia and Ukraine have been tied together. Ukraine's been independent for a grand total of what, thirty-three years? Yeah. Is it nineteen ninety-one? Yes, they had a, they had uh, like one and a half years of independence back in nineteen nineteen before the Soviets invaded them, mm. and then since then he's not accepted that you've lost land, you've lost 
yes, a bunch of your people, but a whole different nationality has left your sphere of influence. I mean, he has enough land anyway. Like, look at how big yes, he is. Yes, he definitely like, does. Russia's the biggest country in the entire world by quite a lot as well. Yeah, but there's not much there. This is the point that we had when this first started off. I said to him, I was like, how is Russia so big? And explained to me that he just walked, they just walked through it and it was just there. No, the, just like, yeah. the people living there were, were happy That's to join. The people well, living there work. just had houses made of snow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the thing is, Russia, Russia's defence concerns, which is um, another reason why they're invading, it's a very real thing. The Napoleonic Wars, the Nazis, all invaded through the Belarusian, no, sorry, the North European plain. And if they don't have a solid border, which at the moment, the only thing they have is the Urals, then they don't have any way of defending their core Russian territory. But by not going to war, they don't have the problem of needing to defend their own country. Yeah. yeah. Because there's no... I don't think there's a country in Europe that wants to invade Russia and take land back. No. Maybe Finland did, but not now. Yeah. Especially because all the all the uh, all the borderlands have yeah. been russified over the centuries. And then we've got that sniper anymore. <laughs> oh, Simo Hager. <laughs> yeah. That's why oh. I think I think when you look at it, you, you when you look at it, you start to realise some of the excuses. These excuses, you call them excuses when he's committing war crimes, war crimes yeah. definite human rights violations. But yeah, no, I mean, a lot of the things, a lot of the things he's saying, <laughs> a lot of the things he's saying well, is well. just like trying to justify this war to try and get the Western countries to back off it but when you look at it really and you break them down you then kind of go yeah but that wasn't a problem until you started the war the russian first point of um he was like we're going into clear of neo-nazis and we're like uh the president is has jewish Jewish. he is literally jewish (laughs) ukraine does have a problem with neo-nazis but not one that needs russian intervention yeah it's if they need to do it in their own country by their own means not by Russia sweeping in and yeah, like it's, some it's savior. Like us invading France because they're French because they're, <laughs> they've got too many right wing politicians. Yeah, Marie Le Pen. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So Marie Le Pen. On, the other on guy. On the topic of French um, oh. people, Macron. <laughs> 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 uh, Macron has just spoken. It's literally just come up about three minutes ago. Um, at the request of the Ukrainian government, French President Emmanuel Macron has spoken to the um, to Vladimir Putin, um, and has said the president uh, re- re- the word? reiterated reiterated <laughs> president reiterated the international community demand that Russia halt its offensive against Ukraine and reaffirmed the necessity for immediate establishing of ceasefire. Yeah. So Macron is now directly involved with talking to Putin. Well, yeah. The French are throwing hands again. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it <laughs> makes well it, it makes sense. No one, no one really wants bloodshed, and yeah. uh, for everyone involved in the war, I think all of us here have the similar outlook of feeling incredibly heartfelt for them. Uh, is he from part of the EU? No, it's no. been invited. They want um, to be a part of the EU. Say, yeah. Macron um, asked Putin to ensure that for the duration of all negotiate uh, of negotiations, all strikes strikes and attacks on civilians and their homes would be halted, civilian infrastructure would be preserved, and all main roads, particularly the uh, roads south of Kiev, would remain safe to use. Putin confirmed his willingness to compete, to commit to all three points. I mean, before he said he was never going to touch civilian infrastructure when he was going in, and then he bombed apartment buildings and hospitals and uh, kindergartens. Is it that much of an ask for him to stop attacking civilians? I mean... (laughs) I don't want to say this in his defence, but Ukraine did technically bomb Donetsk and Luhansk for eight years straight without stopping. But if you look at it from any sort of international perspective, 
that is Ukrainians bombing Ukrainians. Yeah, no. And a lot of them were, as well as uh, people in the region, were setting up, like setting up booby traps so people couldn't go back. There was a lot of uh, yeah. civilians who went back in to go get their own personal belongings and then being killed because they've left little trigger points and targets. There's a bunch of mines around the entire area now. You can't go, um, well, you couldn't go east of certain areas, even if it was technically Ukrainian. Right. Uh, there's not many points left to put, other than there's, I've got, I mean, I've got a couple of points about football, about the oligarchs. Roman oh. Abramovich has accepted, um, uh, accepted to help negotiate to end the conflict. That was, Ukraine requested that. Yeah, we trust him, don't we? Yeah. Um, Footballers. I, we don't trust him. Um, and there was something about FIFA. Yes. Yeah, they're, they're forcing the Russians to go under a uh, neutral banner, like no, in the year, um, like in the year. Yeah. Olympics, uh, yeah. The FIFA have set to suspend Russia from international football. This is yet to be confirmed, but the following announcement by several countries said that they would refuse to play a Russian team. The one and they got removed from Eurovision. Oh, yeah. They got removed from Eurovision. Eurovision just like, yeah, they can stay in. No, no worries. Yeah. But then they were like, but oh, no one cares about Eurovision. Yeah, no, no uh, one cares about Eurovision. Me, Eurovision. Eurovision. As per usual, all opinions expressed on the podcast are people's own thank you for letting us keep you in the loop